And we are live. Now, I know what you guys are wondering. Because, I mean, we're all wondering this, right? Uh, is it a good idea? Is it healthy to drink coffee at 6 p.m.? And the answer, as I think we're all aware, is absolutely not. And yet, here I go. <laughs> Why? Because my sleep schedule's already messed up. Look, don't mess up your sleep schedule, ladies and gentlemen. Have a good, normal night's sleep. Wake up at a normal time. Waking up at like 2 in the afternoon, it's just not, it's just not healthy. I, I, I mean, yes, I work all night trying to make my Mr. Reagan videos for my, you know, adoring fans. And then you know what happens? I end up with like a video that I put a lot of work in, by the way, and get something like, what, what, hold on, what did I get on this video? Let's let's have a look here, shall we? I'm I'm a little angry about this, folks. Not not at you guys. You guys you guys are the awesome fans. It's the other people. Let's see here. Content I've gotten on this video so far: ten thousand views. Ten thousand views. And for a normal person, they might think, "Oh, ten thousand views. That sounds like a lot." Uh, but when you're used to getting like potentially hundreds of thousands of views on your videos. And like the last four videos have been terrible. Sorry, no, the last three. Uh, last three have been terrible. 10,000 for the last one I posted, which is called Lockdowns Don't Work, which I did a ton of research into. And I would like to say, Lockdowns Don't Work. Lockdowns Don't Work. And it's a fa fantastic video. I've got tons of research papers uh, that I reference. I have tons of news uh uh, you know, news clips from different, uh, you know, different experts talking, and these are on like leftist news networks. Uh, the main point of contention I have is with the UK, because in the UK they locked down everyone so severely you weren't even allowed to go outside. Um, and in California, same thing. In in Los Angeles, we weren't allowed to leave the house at night. We had to be home, I think, at ten, and we had to. Uh, be in our apartments until I think it was like five or six or something. I think it's five o'clock. So between five and ten, we weren't allowed to leave the house. Well, all of the all of the guidance from the WHO, CDC, every scientist everywhere in the world that I could find has said being outside is fine. Like you can leave your like you can go outside. Going outside, it, you almost cannot catch the virus. Like you it, just in like if you pass somebody, if somebody's jogging past you or something like that, it's not possible to catch the virus that way. Everybody said that. Every scientist I, I saw talking about it said that. Every research paper I read said that. So this idea that you have to lock people in their homes in order to stop the virus spreading, doesn't, it doesn't make any sense. And I think the thinking is, well, if you lock them in their homes, they can't go congregate elsewhere. Um, but people don't necessarily want to congregate else, elsewhere. People sometimes just want to go for a jog or go for a walk, walk their dog outside, something like that. So this idea of locking people in their homes is completely mental. I made a video about it, and nobody watched it. Nobody watched it. So I'm a bit bitter about that. Well, I will say that... Uh, hold on, do we have audio? Yes, we do. Thank God. Um, well, I will say this. My, uh, my beautiful co-host, my lovely wife, Valeria, is home today, but she's not feeling well. So I told her that she could take the day off. So she is currently taking a shower, and... Um, enjoying the lovely amenities we have in our apartment, and, and so she will not be making an appearance. Uh, I might make her talk into the mic once, just to say hi. Um, 
Let's see, what else? What else? Anything exciting happening in my life? Not that I'm aware of. So, oh, I should say, there's only two news stories today. I'm only covering two news stories, but one of them is so big that it's one news story in three parts. <laughs> so it, it may be a relatively quick day, uh, although there is a lot to talk about. Um, obviously, the major news story is that Trump has been, uh, the, the Trump ban has been upheld and is probably going to be permanent on Facebook. Um, which is, of course, absurd based on absolute nonsense. The the armed insurrection that he inspired, I guess. Uh, but anyway, so let's get into it. Let's let's read the first story, which is not about that, which is about something else. Uh, and not to mess up your guys' bingo game, but I, I, di I did remember. So you guys are getting an intro. Boom. Toxic masculinity. There it is. There it is. I am toxic, my lovely wife is masculine, and together we are toxic masculinity. Uh, all right, all right. Doge is up, says Paper Plates. Yes, it is. Doge has, Doge going to the moon, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, yeah, it was a little bit of, um, was it last night or the night before? I can't even remember now. I think it was last night. Yeah, we were, um, it was quite a, a tense evening while we're watching, while we're watching the, the stock, yeah, I guess it was last night. And, uh, but it's the last few nights, it's just been going. Um, I have a, a fear. I have a bit of a concern that. So, Elon Musk on Saturday is supposed to. Is supposed to go on to Saturday Night Live and talk about Doge. And if he does, a lot of people think that it's. That the stock's going to go, you know, through the roof. I'm not sure because I because I I had this I made this mistake once before. The founder of Slim Jim posed. Excuse me. <clears throat> I'm good. I promise. Not dying of COVID. <laughs> anyway, the founder of Slim Jim once posted on his uh, Twitter uh, page that Doge was going to rally on. Uh, what was it? April 20th, I think it was, 420. I assume he's a pothead of some kind. Um, and I think a lot of people assumed that meant that he was going to put his own money in on 420 and it was going to rally uh, uh, the the uh, the crypto numbers. And uh, so everybody was was putting money in uh, coming up to 420. So, so the price got really inflated. And then come 420, nobody put money in. In fact, everybody took their money out. And so there was this massive dip, right? Because there had been this really big spike on 419. And I actually told Valeria, you know, I'm a little bit concerned about this 420 thing. I think this might end up with a crash instead of a spike. And we talked about it a little bit. And um, I ended up... Uh, uh, I ended up um, not taking my money out on the 19th, which is what my plan actually was. Big mistake. Big mistake not taking the money out. So there was a big dip, and I lost most of the money that I had gained. Uh, and in fact, it was dipping so low that we thought, well, maybe this is the end of Dogecoin and it's over. So we ended up taking the money out. It spiked again after that. It came back up after that, and I lost a lot of money. I like lost like two grand or something like that. So <clears throat> that was my first really big mistake. Uh, uh, trading in crypto i'm not i'm not a crypto trader i've never done it before i've never traded in the stock market either so that was a huge mistake 
even though my instinct was right, I didn't follow my instinct. So there is a possibility that it will spike on Saturday, which I believe is the 8th or the 9th. Let me look. Let me look. Uh, it is the 8th, right. So there is a possibility it will spike on the 8th. But there's also a, lot, a possibility that it will crash on the 8th. So I'm taking my money out on the 7th. Valeria isn't. She's going to keep her money in. We're going to see what happens. Um, I think she should take it out. She's, well, it's, I mean, let's be honest, it's both my money. <laughs> She's dealing with some of my money. I'm dealing with some of my other money. And I'm, I'm like, you should take it out. She doesn't want to, so I've told her, fine, leave it in. I'm taking the stuff that I have invested that I'm actually dealing with myself, which is a fluke. She's supposed to actually deal with all of it, but I threw some of my, my own money into, um, into Robin Hood one day. And so now I'm dealing with it, which is stupid. I want to give it to her, so I don't have to deal with it. But anyway, so I'm going to take mine out. She's going to leave hers in, and we'll see who's right. But I just wanted to let you guys know that in case you have money in Doge, and I don't want you to lose all of your gains on the 8th. Now, even if it does dip, it will eventually go back. So I'm not too worried about it. But whatever you do, if it does dip on Saturday and you haven't taken your money out, do not take it out at the bottom of the dip. Please don't take it out. Wait till it comes back up again. We do think it'll hit uh, 95 cents, 96 cents, 97 cents. Um, it'll eventually hit a dollar, but before that, there is going to be a crash, I think, because probably a lot of people have limit sales uh, in the in the high 90s, you know, 96, 97, 98. So I think we have a... Well, I'm not going to get into that. She'll kill me if I keep talking about this. Anyway, that's it for talking about crypto. I know some of you guys find that really annoying, but I did get a letter from somebody the other day saying that uh, they were a disabled vet. They put some money in Doge. Their money doubled. They can't thank me enough. And I'm thrilled by that. I, I was just totally touched by that. That totally made my day. That totally made my week. Um, I would rather get letters like that than money. <laughs> so, so that's fantastic. If somebody's struggling with money and I can help them a little bit, the, the trick is always to get the money out before... Uh, the market crashes or the bubble bursts, so there's some kind of major dip and you panic and you take your money out at a loss. Don't ever do that, uh, especially with, with Doge. I think Doge is on pretty solid ground in the long term because Elon Musk is behind it now, which I don't really understand, but he's kind of like a, he's a weird dude, so <laughs> he likes Doge for some reason. Anyway, all right, that's it for crypto. Let's, let's move on from crypto. First story, first story. Let me read this. Okay, police officer fired for not referring, sorry, Valeria's better at this than I. <laughs> police officer fired for referring to Black Lives Matter as terrorists. Yes, so a police officer was fired just for referring to Black Lives Matter as terrorists. And here's why I find that annoying. They are terrorists. They're totally terrorists. Sorry, that's the wrong one. That's the right one. Okay. So, police officer fired after 20 years of service. She's been on the force for 20 years because she wrote on some social media site that Black Lives Matter are terrorists and she's afraid of these people. A beloved New Jersey police officer has been fired after two decades on the job for calling Black Lives Matter terrorists, Black Lives Matter terrorists in a post on social media. Officer Sarah Irwin, a Hopewell Township police officer, was fired on Friday after, uh, after an investigation by the Mercer County Prosecutor's Office and the police office. Oh, she called Black Lives Matter terrorists? We better open an investigation. How weak are cops now? 
that they have to fire police officers for saying words they don't like. I mean, I could say, I could tell, like, it makes sense if if she was, like, saying the N-word a bunch and saying, like, she hates black people and she wants to lynch them all or something like that. I can understand that because that indicates that you have a bias and you're not going to police in a just manner and, and you could potentially put people in danger because of those biases. Um, in the same way, I do think that police officers who talk about how much they hate white people, uh, they should also be fired. Are those cases ever investigated? Do, do that, does that ever happen? I'm sure it happens. Are they ever investigated? Oh, I, I highly doubt. I've never heard of that being investigated. But but does it happen sometimes? I'm sure it happens. I'm sure some black police officers say how much they hate white people, and they're never investigated. But somebody says that Black Lives Matter is a terrorist organization, which it is, and she gets fired. Let's have a look here. A second officer, Sergeant Mandy Gray, was also demoted and suspended for six month, months after replying to a comment on the post, according to a report by NJ.com. Uh, she has also been with the force for more than 20 years. The post reads as follows. Last night, I left for work. Please ignore the fat person. I don't know what that is. Okay. Last night, I left for work. Okay, so just, let me try this again. Last night, as I left for work, I had my two kids crying for me not to go to work. I don't think I've ever felt that way. I've ever felt the way I did last night. And then I watched people I know and others I care about going into harm's way. I love my police family like my own. So... When you share posts and things on Facebook, I'd really appreciate it if you think before doing so. I've had so many Black Lives Matter hashtags in, in these posts. Um, just to let you know, they are terrorists. They hate me. They hate my uniform. They don't care if I die. Um, I disagree with this woman. I, I think they do care if you die. I think they want you to die. Uh, I, I think it's worse than she's even saying. I think they want her to die because she's a police officer. Um uh, so, yeah, I mean, I support these women. Um, I would recommend they go to, what is it, North Dakota, South Dakota? Where's that woman? Where's, where's Christy Nome? Christy, uh-oh, Nome? I don't know how, how to spell her name. Let's see here. She is the governor of South Dakota. I'm, I'm, I'm not from the Dakotas. I can't keep them straight. Um, <laughs> uh, so... I think Christy Nome put out this this remark the other day, expressed this idea. If you've been fired or you've been, uh, you know, you've had some kind of an issue in, in the police force, come to South Dakota. Maybe she was talking about these these ladies. I don't know what she was. I, I just vaguely heard it in passing, so shouldn't be reporting on that, really. Um, the lawyer representing the two officers said that they are, they are exemplary and de- uh, decorated officers with absolutely no disciplinary history and blasted their punishments as disgraceful and cowardice. I agree. Look, this is horrible. Come on, come on, Gateway Pundit. Get better. This is disgusting. Disgusting image, awesome image. <laughs> Look at the contrast there. All right, let's see here. Gray was the first female officer hired in Hopewell Township, and uh, she was the first sergeant when promoted in 2019, a rank she will lose in the demotion. Uh, Crivelli said the disciplinary, the discipline results, I guess Crivelli is the name of the lawyer, uh, result, result is dumbfounding, as neither officer has any prior in, internal affairs complaints. This is the first such investigation for either. Both women are appealing with the Superior Court. Don't appeal. Don't appeal. Just leave. Just leave. This article was written by Cassandra Fairbanks, who we all know and love from the Twitter. Um, but anyway, yeah, so that's what's happening in our world, ladies and gentlemen. If you work for the police department, you're not allowed to say Black Lives Matter uh, uh, activists are terrorists, even though they are. Why? 
why can't we express that belief? Uh, I think it's true. I think it's true. I think lots of people think it's true. You know, it's funny. Um, there is this argument. Well, I'm, I'll get into that with the next story. What is the next story? That's a great question. I know you guys are asking, what, what could it be? What could it be? Well, I already mentioned at the beginning of the show, so you know what it is. Facebook maintains Trump ban. Okay, so we all saw saw this coming, didn't we? Uh, Facebook has decided that they're going to uphold this Trump ban that they put in place a while back. Um, and they've, they've sort of, uh, what do you call it, uh, delegated their their dark work to, to an oversight board, an oversight board. And I, I've been thinking about doing a video on the oversight board, like talking about the oversight board. I might do that. But you know what? Maybe let's just do it here, shall we? So let's have a look at this. Facebook oversight board upholds Trump ban and gives the company six months to reassess. <laughs> Valeria says she's in pain. Okay, well, I can't deal with it right now. I'm working. Um, hold on. It's okay. It's okay. She's, you know, she, you, we don't always, sometimes we're not always our best. Sometimes we don't always feel great. So we need to take a day off. So that's what Valeria is doing right now. All right, let's get back into this. Um, all right. So Facebook Oversight Board has upheld the company's decision to block the former president, Donald Trump, from its platforms, it announced Wednesday. The ruling means Trump will continue to be blocked from Facebook and Instagram. But the board said an, uh, said an indefinite suspension of Trump's account was inappropriate, and the company had six months to lay out new penalties. <laughs> they said it's inappropriate, but they upheld it. What? What? I don't understand that. Um... However, it was not appropriate for Facebook to impose an the indeterminate and standardless penalty for indefinite suspension, the board said in a statement explaining its decision. Facebook's normal penalties include removing the violating content, imposing a time-bound period of suspension, or permanently disabling the page and account. Facebook has... So they're saying that it wasn't appropriate, not because it was too... It was, it was inappropriately harsh, but because it was inappropriately um, non-specific, right? It didn't follow the normal specific guidelines so what the presumably what this board is suggesting is that he he should be permanently banned um without any of this kind of like unclear language of like indefinite suspension facebook has 30 days to respond publicly according to the oversight board's rules the board found that two of trump's posts on january 6 violated facebook rules prohibiting praise or support of people in Engage in violence. Now, see, this is like a this is like a common misperception about what Facebook did, right? So, people think that Facebook banned Trump because he was spreading disinformation. That's not technically why they banned him, although I'm sure that they think that. Um, the reason they banned Trump is because Trump said that the protesters were patriots or something like that, right? Or were like good people. Uh, and Facebook has determined that the people who marched into the Capitol were committing acts of violence, even though. I'm not aware of, I mean, I, I think maybe like tussling with the police could be considered acts of violence. I know that um, the vast majority of people that I saw walking through the Capitol weren't engaged in any kind of acts of violence. I can also tell you that uh, Black Lives Matter and Antifa have both engaged in acts of violence pretty much constantly since the, uh, since the death of George Floyd. 
pretty much constantly, pretty much every single day, there's an act of violence committed by a BLM activist or uh, an Antifa activist. Uh, and you hear them, both of those groups have been praised and supported by pretty much everyone on the left. So is every Democrat now banned from Facebook? Doesn't appear that that's the case. I don't see CNN's account getting banned. I don't see Don Lemon getting banned. I don't see uh, uh, Joe Biden getting banned. I don't see uh, Nancy Pelosi getting banned. None of these people getting banned. Trump's getting banned for saying that protesters on January 6th were patriots. I think they were patriots, you know. Mm. Let's see here. Uh, the violating posts, the board said, include referencing to, re, uh, referring to great patriots and calling to remember this day forever. Well, we also say remember 9-11. That doesn't mean we're praising it. <laughs> At the time of Mr. Trump's uh, posts, there was a clear immediate risk of harm, and his words of support for those involved in the riots legitimized their violent actions. What what kind of double standard is this? You you can celebrate BLM, you can celebrate Antifa, but you can't celebrate Trump supporters who walked through the Capitol casually, peacefully, didn't hurt anything, took some selfies. Give me a freaking break. Um, let's see here. The board said Wednesday, given the seriousness of the violations and the ongoing risk of violence, Facebook was justified in suspending Mr. Trump's accounts on January 6th and extending that suspension on January 7th. This, this is so stupid. This is so stupid. Uh, there's no standard here. There's a total double standard, really. There's like one standard for Trump, one standard for leftists. Uh, I imagine that they would probably apply the same standard to other conservatives. I, I know that my account, I have a lot of trouble making money on that account because YouTube has put some kind of a clamp on it. They've, they've reduced my... Um, ability to, to, to garner income on those videos. So I've stopped posting on Facebook, which I shouldn't have done. I should still post on Facebook. In fact, maybe I'll pick it up again. But um, I got so much other stuff I'm doing. But uh, but yeah, it's difficult for me to make money. So uh, yeah, it's it's just weird. And in fact, I think, wasn't there, there an interview that was conducted? I think it was by Eric Trump's wife with Donald Trump. And they even pulled that because Trump was in it. You know, it wasn't something Trump posted, but because Trump was in it, they couldn't have that video up. It's like the most, the weirdest thing I've ever seen. Uh, it's definitely fascistic, right? This is definitely a totalitarian thing that's going on. Um, let's see here. However, that suspension should, should, should not be indefinite, the board said. Facebook should come to a decision within six months on whether Trump will be permanently banned or if another penalty is appropriate. And applying a vague standardless penalty, I mean, who cares? Let's see here. The same week, uh, President's platform of choice, Twitter, announced the decision to permanently ban Trump from its platform. That was also ridiculous. Okay, I think we all know how ridiculous th this is. Um, let's look at this oversight board post, because this is what I really want to talk about here. Ahead of our announcement on the Trump suspension case, a reminder of how the oversight board makes decisions. Let's have a look at this BS. Okay, so this is how the oversight board makes decisions. The Oversight Board selects cases that affect many users, are of critical importance to public discourse, and or raise important questions about Facebook's policies. The panel considers... Where am I supposed to go? Up and down or left or right? Who knows? Uh, the panel considers information from users, Facebook, outside experts, and public uh, comments to reach a draft decision. A diverse five-member panel... A diverse five-member panel. Diverse. That's their qualification, by the way. Diverse. 
A diverse five-member panel convenes to deliber- deliberate the case. Members of the panel are randomly chosen. Once a case is assigned to a panel, it should be decided by the oversight board and implemented by Facebook within 90 days unless there are exceptional circumstances. The draft decision is circulated to all oversight board members for review. A majority must sign off for a decision to be published. The panel looks at whether content violates Facebook's community standards and values and international human rights standards. Okay, maybe it was supposed to go this way. I don't know. Who cares? The decision is published on our website. Facebook must implement decisions within seven days and respond publicly to recommendations within 30 days. This tells me nothing. Thank you for posting that thing that, that means nothing. Um, all right. Well, let's have a look at what, um, what the real issue here is. The real issue here is that this oversight board is just a way for Facebook to totally inappropriately, uh, in a totally biased way, target conservatives, uh, specifically to target Trump, and say, we brought in outside experts. We didn't have anything to do with this. This isn't in our hands now. And so you can be far more, uh, you can do things that are far worse if the blood's not on your hands, right? So if you're, if you're a mob boss, how often do you go and you actually commit the murders yourself? Never. That would be very dangerous because then you could get caught and go to prison. What you do is you bring in one of your guys and you say, hey, Jimmy over there, he hasn't been uh, doing a very good job. Uh, I, you know, I think it's kind of time that uh, you know, his family started eating dinner alone, if you know what I mean. And then that person goes and they, they kill the person. And then you know, when they're interrogated, they say, did that guy tell you to kill him? And he said, no, no, he just said it would be nice if his family ate alone for a while. Uh, uh, so yeah, you know, so they talk in code and they get this stuff, stuff going on. They, but they actually accused Trump of talking in code during the, uh, the Russia gate thing. That's pretty funny, actually, I think about that. But anyway, yeah, so, uh, so that's what Facebook's doing, right? Facebook is acting sort of as a, as a mafia. And Facebook doesn't want to get its hands dirty. I don't want to get my hands dirty. You do the dirty work for me. So they hire this outside group of diverse people. Uh, but these people aren't diverse. These people are not diverse, okay? These people are not diverse. Let's get into that. Let's get into that. Is that ooh, it's the wrong button? Because this is important. Important. Um, so this is an article from May seventh, twenty twenty. So quite a long time ago. This is long, like long time before Trump was ever banned. Um, they started looking at this oversight board. Uh, this is MRC Newsbusters. These guys are awesome. They they produce some really good stuff. Um, they write the Free Speech Alliance, a coalition of more than sixty conservative organizations, released the following statement Thursday about Facebook's new oversight board. So this is right when the oversight board was created. And efforts to decide what content should be taken down from the site. Now, this is very concerning to me personally because I knew it was going to affect me, and it did. They've taken down some of my videos, which were totally legitimate. Totally legitimate. They've taken down my videos as like dangerous or something. I don't. I don't even remember what they said. The F. Like by the way, any time my videos are taken down, either from YouTube or Facebook or wherever, I've never had an. Because sometimes they'll give you an explanation as to why it was taken down. The explanation never fits the the video. Like, it's always something completely irrelevant to the video. So I know these things are totally arbitrary and, and, and specifically targeting people for political, you know, because they have political bias. Uh, and to me, it's not even a question because I've had it happen to me and the reasons that they've given 
uh, do not justify the, the, the erasure of my videos, the deletion of my videos, because it doesn't match. It doesn't even make sense, right? It's like, you know, I put up a video about whatever, about... Uh, it doesn't matter. Anyway, point is, the reason... <laughs> I can't think of a good example now. The reasons that they give don't match my videos. They're not even they're not relevant to my videos. It doesn't make any sense. All right, let's see here. The FSA declared conservatives uh, warned from the start that any new oversight mechanism was fraught with danger. Our fears were well-founded. This new board will damage Facebook more than it can imagine. Uh, uh, so here, here is like the oversight board image uh, uh, thing that they're <laughs> uh, all free, equal, we, uh, equal, we justice, all this kind of hippie crap. Um, yeah, yeah, it's, it's all hippie leftist garbage. All right, here's the statement in full. I don't want to read the statement in full, but um, let's go ahead and look at this. While leftist organizations savaged him, we supported CEO Mark Zuckerberg when he talked about making Facebook a free market of ideas and spoke forcefully in saying the company must continue to stand for free expression, yet leftist forces within and outside. So what I want to do is I want to look at some of the people we're talking about here on the oversight board. Um, we cautioned that the oversight uh, that the oversight would be too international and unable or unwilling to embrace America's First Amendment ideals of speech while embracing an internationalist construct pleasing to the radical left and likely to make Facebook's restrictive content policies even worse. And that's precisely what the company delivered. The new oversight board announced itself with a New York Times op-ed uh, from the four co-chairs. Only one of the four, Stanford Law School professor Michael McConnell, is at all conservative. But he's from Stanford. Stanford. There's no way he's a conservative. Let me look this guy up. Because I'm pretty sure he's not even remotely conservative. Let's have a look at this. Oh, he's got a Wikipedia article. Um, let's see here. A constitutional law scholar who served in the United States Circuit uh, as a United States Circuit judge. Blah, 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 blah. McConnell has been a professor and director at Stanford. He's also a fellow. Okay. Grew up in Michigan. Na, 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 na. Okay. Notable cases. None, none of these are interesting. Um, this doesn't really give you much. Okay. He was nominated by Bush, I guess, for... Look, here's the thing. None of the people that are on this board are pro-Trump, right? And a lot of them are anti-Trump. So I'm guessing that this guy was chosen specifically because he's probably expressed some kind of anti-Trump view or something like that, right? He's he's probably like a rhino. I don't know for sure. I can't give you a... I, I should have researched this before the show, but I didn't. I was looking at some other stuff. Um, but he's the only one I've been able to find in this whole list that is even remotely conservative. And my guess is that he's, he's, a, he's a very left-wing conservative. He's, a, he's a, probably a rhino. That's my guess. Uh, the other three are reliably liberal. Um, Jamal Green, an aide to Senator Kamala Harris during the Brett Kavanaugh hearings. Uh, Catalina Botero Marino is the dean of the University Universidad de los Andes Facility of law of Colombia. She's also a member of the board of directors of the Center for Reproductive Rights, a pro-abortion group. That's especially infuriating to pro-life groups that are regularly targeted on social media for their beliefs. No pro-life leader need apply to this board. So there's nobody on the board who's pro-life. I think that says a lot. Uh, so th if this guy's not pro-life, if this guy's 
pro-choice, pro-abortion, then how much of a conservative is he? If he's not pro-Trump, how much of a conservative is he really? So my guess is that every single person on this board is a leftist. Um, let's see here. Um, there's the former prime minister of Denmark, uh, L.A. Thorning Schmidt. She declared that she does not believe in eternal life, salvation, or heaven and hell, according to the publication. Uh, something. <laughs> I'm not going to read that. Uh, let's see here. Thorning Schmidt is, all, uh, is also one of the, at least six of the 15 international members of the board who openly espouse anti-Trump sentiments. Uh, she posted recently on Twitter over a photo of Obama endorsing pres- presumptive Democrat presidential nominee Joe Biden. The endorsement, OMG, missed the voice of decency and grace. Um, the board members picked by the co-chairs are as left-wing as you might expect. Former Guardian editor Alan Roosbridger has gone from supporting a free pe- press to endorsing censorship. He tweeted in late March that the press should shut down President Donald Trump's press conferences. Completely agree that media should stop live broadcasting Trump, especially since he rejects robust challenges from reporters. This is Facebook's new commitment to free speech. Nobel Prize uh, laureate. Hold on a second. Uh, Tawakol Carmen explained in a in an interview with the Spanish daily El Pais, El, El Pais uh, that she did not trust Trump because I do not believe uh, I do not trust racist people, uh, and you know this can this goes on and on and on. And we've discussed a lot of the stuff, a lot of the sort of uh, insanity of the left recently in a video that I produced called Blue Anon, or I, it's called What Is Blue Anon. That video also got very few views. To my eternal frustration, um, but in that video, I I kind of show that, um, well, I, I not kind of show, I show that the left is in fact the party of the conspiracy theory, right? People are like, oh, everybody on the right is a QAnon conspiracy theorist, you know, dangerous debunk conspiracy theories. But if you go through all the conspiracy theories on the right, there's like. There, there are certainly a few sort of radical conspiracy theories, some of which are absurd, and I, I definitely disagree with some of that. Some of that stuff, I think, is actually, um, you know, left leftist propaganda, like some kind of leftist infiltration, pretending to be conservative, posting anonymous stuff, you know, getting people on the right to believe conspiracy theories, especially the the really kind of crazy people on the right. But the vast majority of the people on the right, they don't, they're not aware of most of the conspiracy theories on the right. And in fact, even the the phenomenon of QAnon is only, uh, I think, is only um, even known by about thirty percent of conservatives from a from a survey that I found. Um, but it's known by fifty percent of Democrats. So you see that any kind of any kind of fringe ideas that we have on the right um, are much. Are, are much more reported on the left than they are on the right, right? So you, so most people on the right don't even know about QAnon, but everybody on the left does, right? And so everybody on the and they have, I think, a somewhat distorted view of what QAnon is, and so they have this idea that people, that QAnon people are crazy monsters, and that everybody on the right is a crazy monster, and most Democrats know about QAnon, right? Whereas most conservatives don't know about it. So I think QAnon is more, I think, of a left wing conspiracy than a right wing conspiracy. Uh, theory type thing, right? Or the the whole Q movement, because because uh, Q because the people who believe Q, right? 
which I, I don't think they're all crazy people, but the left thinks they're all crazy people. Um, the people that believe Q make up a very small percentage of the, the Republican Party. But the people on the left who know about Q and think that Republicans are into Q and stuff like that generally uh, are a majority of Democrats. So, you know, you've got this weird disparity between the reality of what Q is and the Q phenomenon is and what the Democrats think it is. And I think that's the problem, right? You get some kind of some kind of small reality here. The left distorts it and exaggerates it, and it becomes a conspiracy theory on the left that's even bigger than what we saw happening on the right. Um, but but more importantly, more importantly, there's a few things that the that the people on the right believe on the fringe that are a little cut, bit kooky. But if you look at what the left believes, they believe kooky stuff that's in the mainstream, right? They believe in Russiagate. They believe in the Ukraine stuff. They believe that in the armed insurrection. They believe that Officer Sicknick was killed by a uh, you know, bludgeoned to death by by a fire extinguisher. They believe all this crazy stuff. You know, when uh, when uh, Jesse Smollett said that he was beaten up by you know two white Trump supporters, everybody on the left believed him. Uh, it was obviously not true. Everybody on the right was like, I don't know if that's right. <laughs> Sounds like he's making that up. Turns out he was making it up. The left believed it because they don't care. Uh, uh, they they're not in any way critical of anything they hear. They just accept it blindly. Um, and so, you, and I, I mean, I read off, I, I did on the show here a few days ago, I read off a bunch of the conspiracy theories on the left. And it, in that video, if you haven't seen that Blue and On video, watch it. I read off a ton of them. I missed some of them, but I re- read off a ton of them. And it's just amazing what the left believes. It's just the, the sheer volume of, of lies and conspiracy theories on the left is overwhelming. And I think the reason that people don't question it is because they're so inundated with lies all the time that they don't even recognize lies when they hear them. And when something's disproven, they think it's an anomaly. They think it's uh, they think it's an exception. But that's actually the rule now. I think that the New York Times and CNN and MSNBC are reporting things that are false more often now than they're reporting things that are true. And so, you know, if they hear something's false, they're still not skeptical. Skeptical. <laughs> they're still not skeptical of the next thing that they're going to hear. So they hear about Russia. They find out Russia's false, right? You know, some of them, some of them still believe that the Russia thing's real. And then they hear about Ukraine and they don't think, oh, fool me once, shame on you, fool me twice, shame on me. They think, oh, this must be it then. This is what's going to get Trump. They're just so ready to believe any kind of anti-Trump crap that they hear. It's ridiculous. And so, um, yeah, anyway, so you, you, you wouldn't want to fill an entire oversight board with these conspiracy theorist nut jobs. And yet that's exactly what they've done. So I read off a few of the names of these people and what they believe. And um, the problem is that when you have an entire uh, oversight board that's absolutely packed with leftist conspiracy theorists, radical leftists, um, what you end up with is an oversight board that is biased and censors conservatives. We get this Orwellian situation. And... Because Facebook no longer, you know, they've got their hands off. They no longer are taking responsibility for the censorship. They, they are actually more likely to censor people in a more vicious way. You notice that Trump was not banned before the oversight board was enacted. Oversight board was enacted. Suddenly he's banned. So this oversight board didn't help them to create more free speech. They helped them to censor more. All right, well, let's move on to the second part of this story, which is Adam Schiff's 
degenerate response. And I think this will infuriate us pretty nicely for the day. You ready? No, the First Amendment protects uh, Donald Trump and every American from the government regulating speech. It doesn't say that private companies need to use their platforms to air patent falsehoods that endanger the country, that incite uh, insurrection. Uh, and so, no, I think Facebook is trying to have a consistent policy. Uh, at least its oversight board is trying to make sure that it is consistent in how it treats people. Um, I, the, the president here is continuing to go out and push the big lie about the election, continuing, I think, to, to endanger our democracy by doing that. And so he continues to make the case uh, that he would violate the policies if they readmitted him. Uh, and I think, frankly, pathologically, he's incapable of changing. So this is a temporary ban. It will likely be, uh, if we're fortunate, a permanent ban. So what this guy's saying, Adam Schiff, who is, by the way, a total piece of Schiff, <laughs> um, is far worse than what this headline reads, that he, that he thinks Trump is pathological and endangering our democracy. Uh, what he's saying is, you know, we, you know, Facebook needs to go even harder at Trump. You know, this needs to be a permanent ban. You know, the, what, what they've done is terrible and all this kind of stuff. Let me just say this. I, I you know, I believe... Certain things about the election, which I'm not going to say because I don't want to get this video taken down. But you guys know what I'm, I'm thinking, right? Um, I'm not sure that the, that the election was 100% legitimate. I have my doubts about that. And the truth is, lot, lots of us have our doubts about that. And the, the people that I know, the people that I know, Dinesh D'Souza, um, uh, you know, my buddy Gorka, all these, all these people in the media, everybody I know... Uh, my friend Elijah Schaefer, every, everybody who is a prominent media personality in any way whatsoever, all of us who doubt the validity of the result of the 2020 election, none of us, none of us doubt the validity of the result because of anything Trump has said. I, in fact, I think the reason Trump doubts the validity of the result is because of what we're saying. I don't think it's because he's he's like looked at the evidence himself and he's spotted the the um, what do you call it the 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 abnormalities or what were they calling those irregularities? I don't think he's seen the irregularities uh, in the in the data and he said, "Oh, I can see that this election was doctored." Trump isn't saying that. He's not he's not saying I've done the research. Um, We've all done the research, right? We've all looked into the data. I've actually taken the, 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 the data from the New York Times. The New York Times was reporting the night of the election. I put it into uh, a, a, an Excel spreadsheet myself, and I've, I've run the numbers in various ways to, to make my own conclusions as to how things might have been doctored, right? And there are so many weird things about this election that don't make any sense. And look, look like they could be signs of fraud. That not to question it is far less rational than questioning it. I think. And so, for these journalists and for people like the, these people on Facebook and stuff, and for Adam Schiff and all these people to come out and say, uh, you know, it's because of Donald Trump that the protesters on January sixth 
believed that the election was fraudulent. It's Donald Trump's fault that they believed that. That's just not right. That's just not, that's, that's totally inaccurate. Okay. So if, even if you wanted to say that the, that the uh, protest was an insurrection, which it wasn't, even if you want to say that the protest was violent, which it wasn't, um, you still cannot make a viable claim that Donald Trump inspired it in any way whatsoever. So a lot of people uh, originally were saying, well, his speech on that day inspired it. But the truth is people were going to the Capitol um, before his speech was over. Because that didn't make any sense. Some people were saying that he was somehow like personally encouraging people before January 6th to go raid the Capitol, which he, you know, that's demonstrably false. So this idea that, you know, Trump started the insurrection or inspired it on the day, that's that's been thoroughly debunked, right? So now the Democrats have fallen back onto this argument that, okay, well, maybe he didn't inspire the insurrection on the day, but what he did was because of his claim that he believed that the election results were doctored and the, the whole thing was invalid or, or that he really won or whatever, um, that all these Trump protesters believed the same thing and then they went and stormed the Capitol, you know, violently, which isn't true, but okay, whatever. Um, they went and stormed the Capitol and therefore it's Trump's fault because Trump believed that the election wasn't, wasn't fair and therefore because he believed it wasn't fair, other people didn't believe it was fair. So you're saying that if Trump believed the election wasn't fair, he's not allowed to say that because that could potentially inspire somebody to do something violent. That's insane. I'm not allowed to say something that I... So, but the argument that they make, right, is that, well, no, Trump knows that the election was fair and he's, he's knowingly spreading disinformation. I don't think that's remotely true. I don't think that Trump does believe that the election was fair. I think this idea that, oh, he knows it was fair and he's, he's willfully you know, lying to people. Well, if that's true, then we're all willfully lying to the Republicans, which I, I don't think is even remotely believable. Is it believable that every, you know, that all these major conservative reporters, these major conservative uh, pundits, that were all just like trying to lie to Trump supporters? I mean, I don't even know what the benefit of that would be. What's the benefit of that? Like, to me, if a Republican loses fairly in an election, which happens all the time, um, you know, it happens in local races, it happens in state races, it happens in federal races, it happens, you know, sometimes with the presidency. So, what's the best course of action? Well, it's just to put all of our resources into the next race that we need to look into, right? It, we need to focus on shifting the culture. We need to, to focus on other things to fairly shift things in the other direction, right? It's pointless for us to focus on fraud or to focus on the doctoring of votes if there is no doctoring of votes, if there is no fraud. That's pointless. I don't think, I don't think Dinesh, Dinesh D'Souza is a very reasonable person. Uh, uh, Gorka, very reasonable person. I'm a very reasonable person. I think I'm a very reasonable person. Um, Car Tucker Carlson, very reasonable person. All these folks, it, n none of us are interested in doing something that's irrational or a waste of time. We are all interested in getting to the truth. We're all interested in justice. We're all interested in the system working accurately, fairly, and appropriately. And we're not gonna we're not gonna cause a fuss if we don't actually think that the system was flawed, that the system was cheated. We're not going to cause a fuss if that's not true. We're, you know, it's, it's pointless for us. I think it's pointless. I'm Okay, look, I can't talk for everybody, but the reason why I assume that about them is because that's true about me. That's true about me. 
And I don't care what the left tries to tell their, you know, gullible listeners. Uh, if they ever say that, oh, I know the election was fair and I'm just spreading misinformation, they are lying. Okay, they're lying because I'm telling you right now, that's not true. I say what I believe. That's it. I don't lie to anybody. I don't try to spread misinformation. I don't try to say anything that I'm not sure about. If I'm saying something I'm not sure about, I say this is speculation. I always say it. I'm very clear about that. All right. Chris Cole's coming down from being pissed off. Chris Cole's moving on to part three. <laughs> this will also piss you off, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, so this, this is going to be fun, huh? More stuff to be pissed off about. Oh, did I open that twice? That's kind of funny. All right, let's get into this. So this is the Biden administration's response to Trump. Trump's uh, being banned yet again on Facebook. Let's listen to this. Well, let me first say that um, this is an independent board's decision, uh, and uh, we're not going to have any comment on the future of the former president's social media platform. That's a decision that uh, it sounds like the independent board punted back to Facebook to make in the next six months, as I know you all have reported. Um, the president's view is that um, the major platforms uh, have a responsibility uh, related to the health and safety of all Americans. Uh, to stop amplifying untrustworthy content, disinformation and misinformation, especially related to COVID-19, vaccinations, and elections. And we've seen that over the past several months. Broadly speaking, I'm not placing any blame on any individual or group. We've seen it from a number of sources. Uh, he also supports better privacy protections and a robust antitrust program. So his view is that there's more that needs to be done to ensure that this type of misinformation, disinformation, damaging, sometimes life-threatening information is not going out. All right, one thing that she said was really weird. She said antitrust. I don't think she quite, I think she made a mistake there because antitrust is, is like, um, you know, breaking up monopolies and stuff like that. So I don't think, <laughs> I think what she meant is I know, breaking the public trust. Or something. I'm not really sure what she meant, but that doesn't make any sense. Um, but then she says, we need more. More needs to be done to stop the spread of misinformation, disinformation. Here's the problem with the left's definition of disinformation or misinformation or, or dangerous disinformation. It's basically anything they disagree with. So if you're pro-life, you're spreading dangerous disinformation. Uh, if you think that the election was not perfect and pure and, and honest, then you're spreading dangerous disinformation. Uh, if you think that Hunter Biden's laptop is legitimately his laptop and has his files on it, you're spreading dangerous disinformation. If you think that uh, Biden you know, fired Victor Shokin because he wanted to stop him investigating Burisma, you're spreading disinformation. If you think that um, Hunter Biden got rich off of working with Ukraine and China uh, and that his and that China was using Hunter Biden to basically bribe Joe Biden, you're spreading disinformation. Now, all of that stuff can be looked at. All of it can be examined. All of it uh, can be disputed. But there is evidence to support all of those things. And uh, it is reasonable for people to believe those things. In fact, I, ex like I said before, I think it's more reasonable for people to believe those things than the opposite. Um, and yet, 
because we're conservatives, because we believe the things that we believe, we're spreading dangerous disinformation. I mean, a lot of the stuff that we're talking about, you know, like my video on lockdowns not working, this idea that um, being outdoors, you you always need to wear a mask. Being outdoors, you, you, uh, you know, is somehow dangerous. Like we have to be locked inside where it's actually more easy to spread coronavirus. Uh, that, that, that's a bad thing, right? Lockdowns are bad. Being stuck inside is bad, right? Be, being outside is good. It's, le- it's much more difficult to catch coronavirus outside, right? That's a perfectly reasonable thing, backed up by the science, backed up by articles that I've read. Uh, Ashley, the woman that compiles my stories, has written, if you think boys have penises and girls have vaginas, disinformation. <laughs> so apparently, um, the, the movie Kindergarten Cop, that needs to be banned because that's spreading dangerous disinformation. Yeah, yeah. If you think that, well, you can't just change your gender by thinking about it. I think I feel like a woman. I am a woman. <laughs> if you don't think that's legitimate, well, you're spreading dangerous disinformation. And so this is the problem, right? This is the problem that that uh, the left classifies dangerous disinformation as just whatever they disagree with. Um, and so if you have all leftists on a panel that's judging whether or not Trump should or should not be allowed on, you know, a particular social media platform, you know, of course, of course, they're going to lie and say, well, all this is dangerous disinformation because they believe that anything they disagree with is dangerous disinformation. The way they classify things now is is a way to manipulate how people think and manipulate the way that they do things to to reconcile um, truly harmful measures Right. It's I think it's about as harmful as it can be. This idea that we have to censor political speech, not only political speech, but politicians, because we disagree with what they say. Um, I mean, imagine if, you know, during Trump's tenure as president, we stopped allowing newspapers to print Democrat points of view. We stopped allowing people to print uh, Democrat ideas or leftist ideas on social media. Everybody was banned from doing that stuff. Trump would have been rightfully called a fascist, right? I mean, Trump was called a fascist even though he didn't do anything like that. But, I mean, there would have been, you know, I, I would say that buildings would have been burned down, but buildings were burned down even though he didn't do that. So, yeah, the, le- the left has gone crazy. The, it's weird. It's, it's like the left accuses the right of everything the left does, and then the left reacts to the right as if the right is doing what they're doing. And they're, it's just bizarre, man. The left is just how do we how do we make these insane people sane? I mean, they've gone so far crazy off the. It is weird. I, it's I, it's hard to understand. It's actually really hard to contemplate how people can be so brainwashed, because we're not talking about just all lunatics. Like I've I've met people who are like very successful, relatively sensible people, but then they believe the leftist propaganda. They think that Joe Biden is a better choice than than Trump. I mean, nobody's excited for Joe Biden, but. Um, but anyway, I'm done. I'm done. I'm done talking about this crap. That's the news of the day. Um, I have a couple of funny ideas. So let's do the Q&A. If you've got a question or a comment, um, please go ahead and uh, put it up here. Uh, let me try to get... Oh, hey, somebody sent a super chat. Let me read that. David J. Corica, Patriot Dan... Uh, sorry, did I say David? Daniel J. Corica, Patriot Daniel, writes... Uh, Trump didn't lose, Epstein didn't kill himself, and we did nothing wrong on that day in January. Yeah, I love that. That's absolutely true. Um, well, what what the heck was I going to say? Oh, yeah. So I was thinking about um, getting together some funds 
and getting some people together and building an art installation piece. And this art, art installation piece would be a piece that we put up in maybe the town square of every major city in America, or one, one city per state, maybe. So we do 50 of these. Um, it's, a, it's an art project. You know, the left likes to do these fruitcake art projects. But I'm thinking of doing a kind of abstract structure, and the sculpture would look something like this. What do you guys think? Huh? Huh? What do you think of that? What do you think of that? Put that sculpture up, one in every state. Just see what happens. Just see what happens. I think it's a good idea. I think it's a good idea. Um, another idea that I had recently was to do a um, a parody. Oh, can you guys not see that? That might be too bright. Let me see here. I don't know if you can see that. It's it's basically the uh, the graph that showed the bump, the Biden bump, right? That makes this sort of like curved looking F for fraudulent. Um, let's see here. So the other thing I was thinking about doing is. Um, a parody video, that's probably one of the next videos that I'm going to put up on my on my Mr. Reagan channel, um, of that woman from the CIA who's like, I'm a proud Latina mother, and I have anxiety disorder. I am the perfect person for the CIA, and you guys should join the CIA because there's people like me here for diversity, right? I was thinking about doing, you know, a voiceover on that, um, and I was thinking about doing it in the uh <laughs> gamma goblin miller says i think mr reagan is way underrated can't believe the low numbers i always see me neither <laughs> what the hell guys I, I you know i think it's somewhat youtube suppression i also think it's uh you know a lot of people like watching little timmy pool so uh little timmy pool very popular youtuber i gotta say i respect him i i, I think he's a good youtuber so i can't say that uh, i blame people for preferring watching little timmy pool's uh youtube channel um, why do I call him L Little Timmy Pool? I don't know. I just thought of that now, and I thought it was funny, so I'm going to start using it, right? He wears a beanie. What does he expect? <laughs> if you dress like Antifa, be expect, expect to be called Lim Little Timmy Pool. All right, let's see here. Uh, so I want to say things in this parody video, uh, CIA video, like, um, do you hate the CIA because you think the CIA is the man? Well, not anymore. The CIA has been transformed into something unrecognizable. The CIA is no longer dedicated to fighting international threats. They're dedicated to fighting the patriarchy. <laughs> Just stupid crap like that, right? And then we go, we do the whole video, the same video that they have, but with a different voiceover. And she's, of course, talking about her various psychological disorders and how that makes the CIA better. And... uh you know, saying, well, maybe the CIA is not for you. Maybe you should join the FBI. Do you hate Donald Trump and Republicans generally? Then the, okay. Uh, d uh, let's see here. Sorry, I'm reading. <laughs> then the FBI might be the agency for you. Hunter Biden laptop? Never heard of it. Learn to hide the dirt. <laughs> if you're incompetent in just about every aspect of life, but you're a radical left-wing activist, you too can join one of several intelligence agencies that violate the civil rights of de decent law-abiding citizens with zero consequences. All right, so I'm going to probably do a voiceover like that for uh, for the CIA video. I don't know if you guys have seen that CIA video. I think I played it yesterday or the day before. Anyway. Well, um, paper plates, I got to admit, my videos go on for 20 minutes too long as well. But... Um, yeah, so anyway, so nobody's commenting on my hilarious video. I'm making it anyway. Don't even care. All right, guys. 
Okay. All right. Well, we've got so let's let's see. The Teflon Don wrote, "What do you think of Caitlyn Jenner running in a California, in a California and the state of the Republican Party?" Well, I'll tell you what. So she she he whatever it is, uh, he's on uh, Bruce Brucey Man is on uh, Hannity tonight, which is which airs at the same time my show does. So you you might want to go watch that if you, if you've got it DVR'd. Um, I don't know. I'll tell you what. Um, so okay, you want me to tell you what I think about Bruce Jenner? So Bruce Jenner was very famous, uh, very famous. And then he disappeared from the limelight. And I'll tell you what, I know a lot of people like this, a lot of people, because I live in LA and I worked in Hollywood. And a lot of people who work in Hollywood, this is this is very weird, but true. A lot of people who work in Hollywood used to be famous. It's very strange, but you'll find that throughout Hollywood, there are a lot of people who work as like, work jobs in the industry, like, even even like gaffers or people who um you know like uh, acting coaches and um like script script supervisors and all kinds of like weird jobs that you wouldn't expect that are done by people who used to work as as actors and they used to be quite famous right so um like you'll like I met a guy who there was some kind of like follow up to Beverly Hills 90210 or was it Melrose Place? I think it maybe was a, a follow-up on the original Melrose Place show. And this guy was like this one of the stars of that follow-up show. And I think it only lasted one season or maybe even just a few episodes. But he was considered like this big new breakout star. He was going to be like the big new thing that year on this new popular show. But the show wasn't good and didn't didn't last and it, and it died. So he was only part of the show for like a very short time. But the thing is, because there was so much hype around it and it was so heavily marketed... And he thought it was going to be a big show. And this is in the 90s, remember. Um, this guy thought, I'm the n- new big thing. I'm going to be a big success. The problem is he never got another opportunity, another good opportunity for acting after that. He did little things here and there, but nothing big. And so, so but, <clears throat> excuse me. So by the time I met him, probably in like 2015 or something like that, um, he'd been a non-working actor for like, I don't know what, like 20 years and he just he just wasn't he just was never going to be successful at anything else he just wanted to keep acting and that's like a really weird thing about fame some people become famous well there's one person i want to talk about but i don't because you'll know who he is if i talk about him because he was really he was actually in some really big projects but i knew a guy who was really famous in the 80s in some really big projects in the 80s like like he would be in like the uh, tabloids, uh, you know. He and he was connected to some really big stars. He's a he's pretty big guy, um, and he he ended up becoming a kind of like a script coach for actors on TV shows. So now he works as a script coach. Um, and since <laughs> so after the you know after his his big show ended that he was in, um, he stopped getting work, and. He just went. He just went kind of crazy, you know. And he he admitted to me one day. He's like, "I see a therapist every single day. I either call my therapist or I talk to my therapist every single day." And he has become gay since he stopped being famous. He's started going to therapist every single day, and he's basically a, a sycophant of whatever actor he happens to be working with at that time. He becomes a sort of you know becomes part of their posse. Oh, hold on. Uh, 
I'm not going to read that. Thank you, Ashley. I'm not going to read that. Thank you. Um, the, the, but the problem is that when you become famous and it's stripped away from you, it's really, really painful. Like it destroys people's minds. Uh, I, I, yeah. Okay. I'm not going to tell you all the people I know like that, but there's a lot of people I know like that. And I think that's true with Bruce Jenner, right? I think that's true with Bruce Jenner. I think Bruce Jenner was the most famous person in the world. He got that, eventually that faded away. He was no longer, nobody really cared about him. And the thing is like, when you're famous, like if you're a famous actress and your show ends and people forget about you and there's another big show and there's another big actress and she's more famous than you, you know, and maybe even more famous than you were, then you look at that actress and you say, the whole world has broken up with me and they started dating the other girl. And so I think that's what it feels like for people. I think it feels like they got broken up with it and they started dating somebody else. The world's, but it's not just a boyfriend or girlfriend. It's the whole world starts dating somebody else. So I think with Bruce Jenner, he, he had that kind of feeling of the whole world broke up with him. And so he felt that sort of psychological breakdown from that. And then, you know... <laughs> And then the, the Kardashians came along, right? And he was married to Chris Kardashian, who's the head of that family. And that whole family was hugely famous, but he was just kind of the guy in the background. And I think that really took a psychological toll on him as well. And so eventually he was just like, I want to be famous too, right? And boom, back in the limelight. Now he's just as famous as any of those ladies are. He's he's just as famous as he was, maybe even more so than he was when he won the Olympics. And But that's starting to fade as well. The, the novelty of becoming trans has also faded away. So now he's running for governor. This puts him back in the news. Okay. So now he's getting his fix. You know, it's like an addiction. Um, does that mean that he couldn't be an effective governor? I don't think so. I actually think Bruce Jenner... Even as Caitlyn Jenner with the lunacy of the trans thing, I think he would definitely be a far better governor than Gavin Newsom. I think he would be a thousand times better than Gavin Newsom. So uh, do I think that any of the other candidates for governor that are running as a Republican, do I think any of them can win? No. Do I think Caitlyn Jenner, Bruce Jenner as Caitlyn Jenner can win? I think that he can. Uh, Is that ideal? I mean, I don't know, but... Who knows? I mean, at the end of the day, it's sort of like Donald Trump. A lot of Republicans, when Donald Trump ran, they didn't like Donald Trump because he was a gregarious, you know, basically a bit of an a-hole, right? He he was a bit rude, and they didn't like how he spoke. They didn't like how he spoke. But I said, who cares how he speaks if if he's good at running the country? And that's kind of how I think about Bruce Jenner. If he can run the, if he can run California better than anybody else, I don't care if he's trans. I don't care. I don't care. I'm a Christian. I don't think trans is a good thing. But but beyond that, I don't think it's a psychologically healthy thing. I think there's a psychological problem there, you know, underlying the trans thing. So, and a lot of people be like, you know, that's transphobic. I don't think it is. I actually think that it's sympathetic. Um, I think if you think somebody has a mental disorder and the whole, and the whole of society is encouraging it, um, and you're the only one telling people, no, I think it's a psychological disorder, you should fix this. You're the only one trying to help trans people. So I think by by announcing, I believe that, uh, you know, being transgender is the, you know, expression of a psychological disorder. I think that's actually sympathetic. That's actually helpful. 
Um, anyway, so that's my thoughts on Bruce Jenner. It's also my thoughts on Fauci. I think Fauci has become addicted to fame as well, and he's less interested in um, producing accurate scientific advice and you know ideas about masks and stuff like that. He's he's much more interested in staying in front of the camera, staying in the limelight. Frank James says, when when Valeria gets citizenship, wear Canada pin. Wear a Canada pin. That's not funny, Frank. <laughs> We're not going to wear a Canada pin. What, what's wrong with you? <laughs> if we have to flee to Canada because of political persecution, then, yeah, we'll wear a Canada pin, I guess. Um, ah, we'll still wear an America pin. All right, guys. Um, that's it for this show. I'm going to put out a bunch of new videos, uh, one a day for at least the next 10 days, probably the next 20 days. So pay attention to my channel, Mr. Reagan. Let's help that grow because it's being destroyed by YouTube. Um, but I'm trying to get on that. I'm trying to fix that. So we'll, we'll try to figure that out. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, I will see you guys tomorrow, hopefully with Valeria here. Uh, all right. So just remember, we are the least professional show on YouTube. I'm toxic. My wife, Valeria, is masculine. Together we are toxic masculinity. Good night. Toxic masculinity.